0: Hi, everyone. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and this is 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries podcast, and Valentine's Day is coming up. I'm going off the rails today to give you some smiles and ideas for what to do and possibly what not to do on Valentine's Day. We've got advice here for how to make dinner at home on Valentine's Day a fun and romantic one. Advice for singles on Valentine's Day. Funny stories from restaurant waiters and others and a bunch of other Valentine's Day stories and anecdotes. The advice sections are good for any time, not just Valentine's Day, and I hope it provides some good, fun listening for you. You'll also get a good appreciation of what restaurant waiters go through, and hopefully you'll be inspired to tip them well the next time you go out. First, I have to keep in mind that we are a history podcast, so I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version of the history of Valentine's Day, and then we'll go to Valentine's Day online in America to have some fun with it. Write down to romantic dinner recipes and Valentine's Day stories. First, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version of the history of Valentine's Day, and then we'll go to Valentine's Day online in America to have some fun with it. Valentine's Day, as February 14th, dates back to ancient Rome and the Feast of Lupercalia, during which men would sacrifice goats, cut the hides into strips, and lightly smack women with these strips in the belief that doing so would make them fertile. Sometimes they chased the women, sometimes the women chased them, with hopes that the process would help them to get pregnant. After the wild melee, the men would return to the cave for drinks and the sharing of stories. That was Lupercalia. Valentine's Day was given its name by a very courageous Roman clergyman named Valentinus, who, being an early adapter to Christianity, bucked the establishment by baptizing young men and women and marrying them, during a time when the law prohibited young men from getting married because all of them were expected to serve and they wouldn't allow married men to serve. Valentinus was eventually beaten to a pulp and beheaded in the year 269 and was later martyred as St. Valentine. His name and fame spread thanks to early poets and playwrights like Chaucer and Shakespeare. Hand-made Valentine cards became mass-produced over the years and Valentine's Day is now practiced in most countries of the world. And now, back to our story. Here is our curated collection of online comments. The first from MindyWeiss.com. Ten virtual Valentine's Day ideas for when you're home together. Indulge in breakfast in bed. Treat your partner to a lavish breakfast complete with heart-shaped treats and a cheeky mimosa. Valentine's Day falls on a Wednesday this year, so breakfast in bed might be tough depending upon your situation. Get creative in recreating the setting of your first date, whether it's a movie, coffee date, or special dinner. Have a country-themed dinner date. If you can't travel, bring the world to your doorstep. Pick a romantic destination and create a themed menu and playlist. Get some fresh air. You can always head for the great outdoors for a hike or a bike ride together. Exchange homemade cards or gifts. There's something special about homemade. Set aside the afternoon for crafting or surprise each other with your creations. Take a virtual dance class. A variety of dance classes are now offered online, from sexy salsa or tango to classic foxtrot. Play masseuse. Bring the spa to your home. Stock up on a selection of fragrant oils and body lotions and take turns giving each other a massage. Start baking. Spending time together in the kitchen is a lot of fun so why not spend a couple of hours whipping up some delicious treats for your very own bake-off challenge. Set an indoor wine and cheese picnic, grab some cozy blankets and pillows, create a cheese and charcuterie board and pour the wine. Go stargazing in your backyard, there's nothing quite as romantic as stargazing together. Wrap up warm and get outside to enjoy the night sky, if you don't know what you're looking for. Be sure to download one of the apps available. When you're apart? If you're apart for Valentine's Day, exchange goodie boxes by mail. Sending each other something sweet in the mail is a great way to bridge the distance, especially if you open your packages together on Zoom. Take a virtual class. Learning something together is a great way to bond, whether it's a cooking class or something more creative, like painting. Whip up cocktails together. Be sure you're both prepped with a variety of cocktail ingredients, then work together to make matching cocktails on your Zoom date. Who knows, you may just invent the signature cocktail for your wedding. Watch a virtual show. There are so many shows available online now, from comedy to ballet and Broadway musicals. Take your pick and enjoy together. Or stream a virtual concert. If music is more your thing, there are also many options, from live music to pre-recorded concerts, it's the next best thing to being there. The next was found on an online forum from Quora. The question Do you have a date for Valentine's Day? A young man answers Okay, so I'm a little jittery for that day. I might have a date. So the other night I was cleaning the kitchen listening to Drinking Too Much by Sam Hunt. I promise this will relate back to the story. Basically, in it, he's talking about broken promises and lost friendships. And I won't lie, I got nostalgic over it. Basically, by the middle of the song, I got the urge to tell my crush how I felt. So I did. I opened Snapchat and typed, You know I like you. I'm done hiding this and beating myself up about it. I'd like to know how you feel about me, but I just want you to say something so I can move on. She texts back, You do? "'Me. For a while now, yeah. "'Her. I had no idea. "'Me. I just want you to say something so I can just move on, please. "'Her. See me in class. "'So since school is out until Wednesday, Mardi Gras, "'I have to wait until then, which is Valentine's Day as well, "'to see what she will say. "'My hopes aren't up, but if she didn't like me, why wait to tell me?' Edit. What the hell? I text this girl during the first hour we have together. We basically text the whole time because both of us are keeping it discreet. I'm just going to show you. Me. What did you want to talk about? Her. W-I-D-M, which is short for, what do you mean? Me. Why did you say to meet you in class? Her. Oh, just to say, hey, or something. "'Honestly, by this point, I am so done with girls. "'She's lucky she's hot. "'Me, um, okay.' "'Then later on, my friend decides to text two of my friends, "'asking for them to be my valentine. "'Of course, one of them was my crush. "'Hey, would you be my valentine?' "'Her, W-D-Y-M. "'Me, would you be my valentine?' I'm not going to go into any more details as to respect her wishes. She asked me to unsave the chat, as on Snapchat you could choose to keep messages or not. And I complied, obviously. Basically, I just needed to move on, which I'm good at. I don't need a date for Valentine's anyways. I got my new seal plushie, which I named Mr. Seal Yo Girl. And there's a picture of this young man, him holding his stuffed seal. One of the loneliest places to be working on Valentine's Day is as a waiter in a restaurant. And here are some stories. This is from 30 Valentine's Day Disasters, as seen by waiters, collected by Jonas Grinovicus and Anonymous. Ah, Valentine's Day, supposedly the most romantic day of the year. However, it dumps a whole bunch of stress on our shoulders. Even if we pretend we're above all the consumerism, hype, and cheesiness, It's also one of the most disaster-prone days of the year, as plenty waiters who have seen these disasters firsthand can attest to. Reddit user HamsterWhore turned to the online community and asked waiters to share these stories firsthand. We bring you some of the very best responses that will make you chuckle, cringe, and might even help you avoid a pitfall or two. Number 1. This was relayed to me by a close friend. Older woman, probably in her upper 90s, with her teenage grandson at a semi-classy restaurant. She was dressed to the nines, and the grandson was in a nice button up and dress slacks. As they got seated at their table, as they got seated at their table, the grandson placed a framed photo of what my friend assumed was the boy's grandfather and husband of the older woman. Found out it would have been their 70th wedding anniversary, but he had passed suddenly but peacefully a few months back. The grandfather had always wanted to take her to a nice restaurant, but never had the time or money to do it. So the grandson saved up his pay from the last couple of months and even got some donations from other relatives and took her to the restaurant. They ate dinner remembering all the good times with the man. They had my friend to take a picture, and she did. They tipped my friend very well. By happenstance, my friend ran into the young man some weeks later to find out the grandmother passed away a few days after that night peacefully in her sleep holding a photo of her beloved husband. He was so happy he could make that night special to her. He said it was the only day he saw her smile since his grandfather passed away. He got the picture they took at the restaurant printed in wallet size and carried it around with him in his wallet. Story number two. I was the manager of a wings and pizza place with a full bar. Definitely not the kind of place you take someone for a romantic Valentine's Day dinner but it was still busy because some people aren't very tactful. We had a guy who had called ahead and asked if we could put a ring in the dessert for him, and of course, we obliged. He dropped the ring off the day ahead, and I put it in the safe in our office to keep it secure. Fast forward to Valentine's Day. The couple shows up, and they're so obviously in love that she didn't seem to notice or care about the fact that he had brought her to a middle-of-the-road place with a sports bar atmosphere, On the most romantic day of the year. They ordered champagne, well the local winery's best sparkling white, entrees and it was almost time for a dessert. I had used my chef skills to whip up a special chocolate strawberry tart that wasn't on the menu, just for this occasion. Because why not try to make their night at least a little fancy? I went to the safe to get the ring and it wasn't there. I was freaking out big time I asked everyone there if they knew what the F had happened to it. My assistant manager on site had no idea, so I called my other assistant, who also had the safe code, and they didn't know either. Finally, my bar manager mentioned that one of the owners had been in earlier and spent a little time in the office. So, at my wit's end, I called the owner. It turns out that he had seen the ring in the safe and thought it was something a customer had left behind. Figuring that he had come into an extremely lucky situation... He decided, like the scumbag that he was, that he'd take it for himself and save money on a gift for his wife on Valentine's. So I asked the server and the bar manager to help stall the couple. The server told them that we were going to do something special for their big date and to hold on tight. I ran out, hopped in my car, and rushed to get the ring from the owner's house. Because he was, as I mentioned, a scumbag and didn't want to be bothered with bringing the ring to the restaurant himself. The bar manager went over to the table and did some complicated table-side cocktail mix that had a bunch of flair bartending tricks and ended with a flaming shot that, once dropped into the rest, made it smoke. I was really disappointed when I heard about all this because I would have loved to see it instead of breaking a ton of traffic laws on my quest to get the ring. Finally, I rushed back in after about 15 minutes of being on the brink of a heart attack, placed the ring on the dessert, and had their server take it out. At that point, just about the entire staff was watching the table, and when we saw the look on her face, my heart finally started beating again. She said, yes. And I started looking for someone else to work for the very next day. (laughs) What a great story. And we'll have many more right after these sponsor messages. And now back to Valentine's Day online in America. Story number three. I blew my car's tire and my friend came in to bail me out. We're both straight dudes and forgot it was Valentine's. Decided to have dinner. And we were both coming from an important meeting so we both had suits on. We didn't catch on until the end on how the entire waitstaff thought we were just the cutest gay couple. A laughing fan responded. That happened to my husband with his boss many years ago. They were staying at a hotel for business and had dinner there that night. Valentine's night. Roses and candles everywhere. Though they declined the waiter's invitation to light the candle on their table. Restaurant waiter story number four. There was a note in our reservations that it was an engagement. They wanted champagne, a specific seat, bunch of other stuff. The server comes up to the table with something like, So I read we're celebrating an engagement. Congratulations. Confusion from the woman, glaring from the guy. He hadn't proposed yet. Number five, it was like a movie. I was bartending at an Italian restaurant, not a fancy one, but still, and it's pretty much full of Valentine's dates. A guy walks in and sits at the bar by himself, looking pretty down. He asked for a whiskey, so I poured it, told him it was on the house, "'cause he looked like he needed it. "'He proceeds to tell me his story. "'He had come to the city to surprise "'his girlfriend for Valentine's, "'about a five-hour bus trip between cities, "'and he sure surprised her. "'She was in her dorm room "'doing you-know-what with one of his friends "'from high school. "'He didn't know what to do, so he just walked "'into the first place that sold alcohol. "'I spilled as much "'whiskey as he wanted and watched the "'raptors with him. Never saw him "'again. It's a cliché.' What had happened? The reply came, poor guy, no one deserves to have their hopes crushed like that. Kudos to you for being a friend in such a dark hour. Story number six. She writes I was working as a waitress in a sushi restaurant and Valentine's Day was an all hands on deck shift. This guy I had just started seeing wanted to go out, but I told him that working in food service, you never get Valentine's Day off, and we just have to celebrate the day after or the weekend after. Nope. He got so upset that he went and asked a different girl out, came to the restaurant I worked at on Valentine's Day, and sat in my section. He then proceeds to spend the entire evening making a fool out of himself and making his date uncomfortable as he tried to make me jealous. Needless to say, we didn't go out again. Ever. A reply came in, you dodged a bullet there. Story number seven. I worked at a pretty high-end Mediterranean Bistro. My second Valentine's there was probably the busiest night I've ever worked as a server. We had reservations that booked basically the entire restaurant including the bar and patio from 4pm to 11pm. No walk-ins were to be seated unless a reservation was cancelled or someone with a reservation didn't show up. Most of the customers were pretty understanding and either waited or simply left. One dude, however, kept pushing and pushing, asking every ten minutes how much longer until he's seated, constantly saying how he's a regular customer and how his date is going to be there at seven. He got there at six. We insisted that once a table was available and all the customers before him were seated, he would get a table. But due to the amount of reservations, we couldn't guarantee he would even get a table at all. At about 6.50, the guy loses it. Fast walks up to the host to stand where the reservation book is, grabs the reservation book, and practically runs out the front door. Now everything's going to complete SHIT because the only copy of the reservations for the night that's barely. Because the only copy of the reservations for that night, which is only barely half over, is gone. Two of the owners ran outside to follow the guy and try and get the book back, but by the time they got out, he'd already left the parking lot. Even better is, two hours later, chaos is still running rampant, and the dude shows back up, saying he has a reservation for two. Three of the five of the owners, all brothers, escorted him and his date out to the parking lot and banned him from the restaurant permanently. They even took a picture of him and posted it in the window, saying, Do not serve this man. We'll come back to restaurant stories later. What's your idea of a romantic dinner? And this was one woman's answer. One, I get to dress nice. Two, I'm told that the venue is a surprise, but I know it's a restaurant. Three, we go there. We eat, we chat. I get flirted with. Four, we leave. Maybe there's some late time walking if the weather allows. More talking, and maybe some physical contact, even as small as holding hands. Five, I'm taken back to a cozy place until my nice stockings are torn and my mascara is smudged all over my face. Six, I'm granted a nice hot shower and a cup of hot tea with some chocolate to wrap it up. I am brought home or put into bed and allowed to rest for as long as I need. The next story is from Reddit. Subject, Worst Valentine's Day Ever. Oh, okay, okay. I was 17. My boyfriend of a year broke up with me over the phone while I was visiting my dad in another city. An hour later, my mother called sobbing because she'd had a knockdown drag-out fight with her boyfriend. My stepmom had been verbally abused and then called into work by her heinous boss, and it was a Saturday. My poor shell-shocked father, dealing with three crying women, tried to make it better by taking my stepmom and I to a movie at the end of the day. My stepmom was really late getting out of work so we missed the movie we wanted to see and settled for something none of us really cared about, just so we'd have something to do. After the movie, we went to dinner. My dad dropped my stepmom and I off in front of the restaurant and then pulled around the corner to park and was hit by an oncoming car. He was fine, but his car was totaled. Worst Valentine's Day ever. This next one is from Reader's Digest Canada. The lingerie store where my aunt works is crowded with shoppers selecting Valentine's Day gifts for their wives. A young businessman came to the register with a lacy black negligee. My aunt noticed that the next customer, an elderly farmer, was holding a long flannel nightgown and kept glancing at the younger man's sexier choice. When it was his turn, the farmer placed the nightgown on the counter. Would you have anything in black flannel? he asked. Here's a story from Anonymous. I worked in advertising sales for years, and one day I called on a bakery and got into a conversation with the owner about unusual orders. It was Valentine's Day, and she had gotten an order that morning for two dozen chocolate chip cookies. And would you please package them well burned? She asked the caller why he wanted burned cookies, and his answer was, My ex-wife always burned her cookies. She never used a timer and always got distracted while cooking so I was never able to enjoy homemade cookies that she cooked. So every year on Valentine's Day, I like to return the favor. This year, I'm too busy to return the favor myself, so I'm hoping you can do it. And here's another. My friend Mark and I work in a lawnmower parts warehouse. Somehow Mark got the idea that his wife did not want a card on Valentine's Day, but when he spoke to her on the phone, he discovered she was expecting one. Not having time to buy a card on his way home, Mark was in a quandary. Then he looked at the lawnmower trade magazines scattered around the office, and he got an idea. Using scissors and glue, he created a card with pictures of mowers, next to which he wrote, I lawn for you mower and mower each day. Mark's wife loved it. The card immediately graced the refrigerator door. And here are some tips from an apparently very wise college student. Planning the perfect first date on Valentine's Day can set the stage for a memorable and romantic experience. Here are some tips to help you create that wonderful first date. 1. Personalized Approach. Consider your date's interests, preferences, and comfort level. Tailor the date to their likes and ensure that both of you will enjoy the activities planned. 2. Thoughtful Venue. Choose a venue that's conducive to conversation and intimacy. A cozy cafe, a scenic park, or a quiet restaurant, are great options. 3. Advanced Planning Make reservations if needed and plan the schedule in advance. This shows your thoughtfulness and helps avoid last-minute stress. 4. Element of Surprise Incorporate a surprise element to make the date even more special. It could be a small gift, a handwritten note, or a unique activity. 5. Conversation Topics Prepare interesting conversation starters to keep the dialogue flowing. Share stories, ask questions, and show genuine interest in getting to know each other. Six, avoid over-the-top. While it's Valentine's Day, avoid going overboard with extravagant gestures. Keep the focus on the connection between you two. Seven, shared experience. Plan activities that encourage interaction and bonding, activities like cooking together, Taking a walk or attending a fun class can foster connection. Mind the budget. Set a realistic budget that aligns with both your financial situations. A memorable experience doesn't necessarily have to be expensive. Nine, consider dietary preferences. If your plans include a meal, check for any dietary restrictions or preferences that your date might have beforehand. Ten, stay relaxed. Well, it's a special day, Remember that the goal is to have a good time and get to know each other better. Stay relaxed and enjoy the moment. Consider weather and logistics. If your plans involve outdoor activities, consider the weather and have a backup plan in case of unexpected changes. Twelve, respect boundaries. Be respectful of personal boundaries and physical comfort zones. Ensure your date feels safe and comfortable throughout the experience. Thirteen, thoughtful goodbye. End the date on a positive note. Express your enjoyment of the time spent together and your interest in meeting again. Follow up. After the date, send a message expressing gratitude for the time spent together and your interest in continuing to know each other. Remember, the key to a successful first date is authenticity and creating an environment where both of you can relax and connect naturally. And this was from Quora. What are some introductory romantic Valentine's Day dinner recipes? Here are some Valentine's Day dinner recipes you can try. 1. Creamy garlic shrimp. This recipe is a delicious and easy to make dish that's perfect for a romantic dinner. Saute shrimp in butter and garlic, then add heavy cream and parmesan cheese for a creamy and flavorful sauce. Here's another one. Grilled steak with roasted vegetables. Grilled steak is always a crowd pleaser. And it's easy to make serve it with roasted vegetables like asparagus cherry tomatoes and zucchini three chicken piccata chicken piccata is a classic italian dish that's easy to make and full of flavor cook chicken breast in a lemon butter sauce with capers and serve it over a bed of pasta four pan seared scallops scallops are a luxurious and delicious seafood that are perfect for a romantic dinner. Sear them in a hot pan with butter, garlic and lemon juice and serve them over a better frisado or with roasted vegetables. Chocolate covered strawberries. For a sweet and romantic dessert, dip fresh strawberries in melted chocolate and let them cool. Serve them with a glass of champagne for a romantic and decadent end to your meal. These dishes are easy to make and are sure to impress your valentine. Enjoy! Here was a question. Do you have a date for Valentine's Day? The answer? Of course. I sleep with her every night. She's always there by my side, whether I'm feeling ill or tired or unhappy. She keeps me warm. She's also the cutest girl I've ever seen. We've known each other since childhood, which makes our connection even more special. Sometimes I wonder if she'll ever feel that connection die out, but I doubt it. And here's another story. About a year had passed since my amicable divorce, and I decided it was time to start dating again. Unsure how to begin, I thought I'd scan the personal columns of the local newspaper. She writes, I came across three men who seemed like they'd be promising candidates. A couple of days later, I was checking my answering machine and discovered a message from my ex-husband. I was over visiting the kids yesterday, he said. While I was there, I happened to notice you had circled some ads in the paper. Don't bother calling the guy in the second column. I can tell you right now it won't work out. The guy is me. Here was a question. What are your ideas for a romantic dinner with your partner? Answer. Every dinner he prepares is romantic, and he cooks all of them now. I cooked for 45 years or so, and he has taken over, including cleanup. We do have lots of candlesticks, but rarely use them. After 49 years, romantic dinners are not on my list. But, if you want a romantic dinner... Soft music, down low enough so you can easily share conversation. Candles lit on the table or nearby. Wonderful smells emanating from the kitchen. Hot fresh bread on the table with either softened or melted butter. And wine glasses. And here's another. My high school English teacher was well known for being a fair but hard grader. One day I received a B- on a theme paper. In hopes of bettering my grade... And in the spirit of the Valentine season, I sent her an extravagant heart-shaped box of chocolates with the pre-printed inscription, Be Mine. The following day, I received in return a valentine from the teacher. It read, Thank you, but it's still Be Mine, us. Not everybody gets to spend their Valentine's Day with someone else, and there's some great advice here for those of you who have to go solo. This was an excerpt from a book written by Jane Matthews. The title of the book, Learn to Love Living Alone. Discover a mental strength to face the challenges that come with solo life. Worldwide, more than 300 million people live alone. Solo dwellers are the fastest growing housing demographic, making up a quarter of all households. Even if you relish aspects of living alone, such as having complete control of the TV remote control, challenges come with freedom like cooking, for one, and juggling finances. THE SEVEN TOOLS OF SOLO LIVING I didn't choose to be alone. Few of us do. I fell into it post-divorce, not with an elegant swan dive, but with a graceless belly flop. But now I've learned not only to appreciate it, but even to prefer it. I am happy, but it took a while to get here. For all its precious gifts of time and space Living alone comes with snakes, as well as ladders. Our metal is tested every single day. Given our numbers, living alone should be the new normal, but it doesn't feel like it. We belong to a different tribe. There are times when I've felt sheet of glass invisible and diminished by a society where I don't seem to tick the boxes. We have to be tough, resilient, and learn to dig deep. I've developed a protective carapace, but i am aware that there is a fine line between self-protection and coming across as defensive. It's a balancing act, and sometimes it gets to me. Just when I'm having a great day, someone might say something thoughtless in passing, oblivious to its impact, which sends me into a tailspin. It can get tiring convincing everyone, and sometimes even ourselves, that we like living alone. However, I have learnt. Embracing a certain ethos can help make the most of living alone. The following seven tools can help you navigate the treacherous shallows as well as the joys of solo living. Tool 1. Know who you want to be. Pick three adjectives that capture who you want to be. They will change over time, but it's useful to land them as they set a platform of values on which to base choices and actions. If you've faced some hard times... Throw in a couple of uplifting ones, such as positive, courageous, kind, and capable. Act like the person you want to be, and eventually you become that person. Be the light you seek. Tool 2. You are in control of how you react. There will be many times when you will need to call on your inner resources to be strong and brave. You have to accept that you can't outrun negative feelings. You have to confront them or align yourself with these feelings. When you react impulsively, you give your power away. So when someone really upsets me, I mentally hold up a shield with a mirror on the side facing them to protect myself and demonstrate that it is about them, not about me. One of the most useful pieces of advice given to me is that you can't affect how people act towards you or change certain events, but you can control how you react to them. You can't change the direction of the wind, but you can change the direction of your sails. It's how you react to your circumstances that determines how you enjoy your solo life. My own situation has shown me that hard times toughen you up. The grit in the oyster makes the pearl. So when things go wrong, and they will, imagine them as a series of curtains that you sweep aside to reveal a stronger, wiser you. Tool 3. Be wary of social media. With technology, you're never really alone unless you choose to be, but somehow loneliness feels more acute and poignant in this switched-on, screen-filled, connected society. I can't be the only person who feels pangs of envy, sadness, or fear of missing out while looking at smug Facebook postings as I sit at home alone on a Saturday night. I just know that I'm not that lucky person laughing in the bosom of a jolly family gathering or soaking up the atmosphere in Paris with my husband. Block the AirSats friends and use technology proactively. Skyping or emailing friends or joining a virtual community you're interested in. Think about what social media adds to or detracts from your life and cut your cloth accordingly. And the last one I'm going to share here is Tool 4, Create an Anti-Loneliness Toolkit. Know what triggers the feeling of loneliness for you and develop strategies accordingly. Sometimes loneliness lances through you, triggered by a couple whispering together in a restaurant, or coming home to a dark and silent house, or when no one meets you at the airport, or just being alone for a weekend. It's different for everyone. Work out what makes you feel lonely, then set about developing tactics to avoid those situations, or brace yourself and deploy your anti-loneliness toolkit. Think of loneliness as a door that opens onto other things that will make you feel better. What's behind that door is very personal, and what works for one person won't work for another. Only you know what works for you. Here are some thought starters. Access a memory that makes you feel happy to your core. Have a go-to book that you know you'll get lost in. Identify a specific TED Talk or podcast that gives you a lift. Go to an art gallery finish something, learn something new from YouTube, immerse yourself in nature as best you can, get out to the country or go to your local park. Again, that's Jane Matthews, The Art of Living Alone and Loving It by Jane Matthews. Getting back to some restaurant waiter stories, number 10. Back when I served food at one of those super touristy seafood restaurants, I worked a Valentine's Day double shift. For lunch This younger couple came in celebrating their one-year anniversary. I offer my congratulations and proceed to do my usual spiel before taking orders. The girl is looking more and more dismayed the longer I talk. Finally, I get to the end and ask if there are any allergies. She looks directly at her boyfriend and states, Yes, I'm allergic to fish and shellfish. Then looks over at me, very sad. I made sure every aspect of her meal was fine for her, but it was that look of, We've been dating a year, and he still takes me to a restaurant that can kill me. That really did it for me. One of the responses? A selfish man who endangers your life isn't worth sticking around for. I hope she saw sense and dumped him. Number 11. In college, I waited tables, and Valentine's Day was always a good one in terms of tips. I once saw a couple come in to eat. Halfway through the dinner, the man's wife shows up to surprise the couple. The wife took the wine bottle and poured the remnants on the husband's head, took off her ring, and told the girlfriend she could have him. He tipped me a $100. Number 12. I have one from a different perspective. I was serving at the melting pot, and a four-top came in. Two male-female couples that were sat in the section next to mine. About ten minutes after them sitting down, I noticed that they don't have drinks yet, not even water. We were backed up, but they at least should have had water. I checked in with their server, and he said he was totally backed up, so I offered to get their drink orders. I took them, put them in, and ran them for the server. By this point, they should have been on their second course, salad, but hadn't even had their cheese yet, first course. So I checked in with their server again and ended up offering to take the table because they're so behind. They say sure and thank me. The table finishes drinks and dinner and gave me a huge verbal tip, even asking me to get my manager so they could tell him how well I did. I was bracing for a 0% to 10% tip. The one dude who paid left me a 400% tip. $1,000. Number 13. This happened to my poor co-worker. A guy and his date came in for Valentine's Day. They had a great time, ate a lot of food, drank a lot of wine, and got along really well with my co-worker, who was their server. About two months later, they come back in and request my co-worker again, who happily says yes to serving them. He goes up and greets them. The guy introduces his wife to him, and my co-worker mentions something about how much he enjoyed serving them on Valentine's Day. They go quiet. The wife gets up and leaves. The guy just lowers his head. Turns out he had brought his mistress in on Valentine's Day, but my coworker didn't realize he was with a different woman this time around, so didn't think anything of it. We never saw the guy again. Number 14 Number 15 Not a total disaster, but still not good. Had a table of two people, probably in their mid-forties, last year. Took 45 minutes for this couple to get their entrees due to our kitchen being way too slammed. When they were dropped at the table, they immediately asked for to-go boxes because they told their babysitter they'd be home by a certain time. I overheard the wife say, Well, I guess this is why we don't celebrate Valentine's Day. The worst part was that they weren't very angry, just very sad. My personal feelings about dining out on Valentine's Day aside, I felt so horrible— that this couple clearly had put in an effort to have a nice night with each other, only to have it go that way. We comped their meals. Number 16. I was eating in a fine dining establishment, Chili's, several years ago. In the next booth was a really young guy who had a big bunch of roses on the seat next to him. He kept looking at his watch, looking at the roses, and popping open a ring box for a peek at the ring. He did this for half an hour or so then began calling and texting someone, presumably his girlfriend, over and over. As we were waiting for our check, he hands my wife the roses, mumbled something, and walked out. Poor guy. I'm going to skip that one. I was working for a higher-end chain steakhouse in the northwest corner of greater Los Angeles, in the Valley. Valentine's is obviously one of the top five busiest days of the year for us, We did about 500 covers between 5 and 10 p.m. It's also a restaurant with a very open concept floor plan. Booths along the four walls of the restaurant and an array of tables in the middle with no partitions or anything between them. A younger couple, maybe mid-twenties, dressed to the nines, came in shortly after we opened and were seated in a table basically in the dead center of the dining room. They were very friendly and pleasant and I could tell that for them, dining at our restaurant was a really special treat. "'so I did everything in my power to make it special for them. "'When they're done, probably around seven, "'I brought their check, which was around three hundred. "'When I came back to pick it up, "'the guy had a super embarrassed look on his face "'and said he thinks he left his wallet in the car, "'and the woman, who was embarrassed for him, "'doesn't have anything with her because her dress had no pockets "'and she didn't bring a purse. "'So he goes out, and five minutes later "'comes back in looking pale as a ghost. "'He has left his wallet at home,' and asks if he can call back later with payment info. My GM won't let this fly because there's no collateral of any sort he can leave, so the guy's to drive home to Burbank to get his wallet, while the woman waits with her hair done and her red lipstick and her pretty dress, in the middle of the dining room on Valentine's Day. Now on the best day, with no traffic, never happens, it's at least 40 minutes each way from our restaurant to Burbank. She was there for almost two hours waiting for this guy. We were all so embarrassed for her that the staff kept discreetly sleeping her drinks and some little bites from the kitchen. It was one of the most awkward things I've ever seen in a restaurant. When he finally got back, he was super apologetic to us and to her. He paid the check, it tipped like 30%, and they left. It was pretty obvious it was an honest mistake, but I still think about that couple from time to time. "'and wonder how things worked out for them. "'And the next story, which is not a restaurant story. "'In sixth grade I had a crush on a girl, "'and I wanted to send her a rose, "'something the school did, "'but I didn't want her to know it was me. "'My handwriting is incredibly distinguishable, "'and I was really shy. "'So I paid one of my friends a dollar "'to write her name, "'and Happy Valentine's Day "'from your secret admirer, on the card. "'He went to the desk set up at lunch,' and turned in the card. Everyone at my lunch table, I should have mentioned this took place during lunch, watched as one of the teachers delivered the card to Lauren, for that was her name. We continued to watch as she smiled and giggled with her friends. She then jumped up and ran to the desk where they were selling the card slash roses. She wrote some stuff down and then ran back to her table. A few moments later, the teacher got up and walked over to my table "'She gave a card to my friend, the one I had paid to write the note. "'It was from Lauren. "'She had recognized his handwriting and wanted to go on a date. "'He got up and went to her table and accepted the offer. "'Jackass!' "'They went on a date and were dating, as much as sixth-graders can be, "'for the rest of the year. "'She moved to El Paso at the end of the school year, never to be seen again. "'Unrequited love is a bitch!' I haven't had a good Valentine's Day since. I hope you enjoy these stories here at Valentine's Day Online in America at 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries Podcast. We always appreciate your sharing our show with others, and we appreciate reviews very much. We do have a brand new show, and I'd like you to give it a try. It's 1001 True Stories with Brian Trombley. And we encourage you, if you have a great story to share, to check out the new show, And if you have a great story, email Brian at the address given and give us an interview. We would love to hear stories from people who listen to our 1001 Stories episodes. Until next time, everyone, stay safe. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.